Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. Thanks for joining us today on Wall Builders, where we're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Much that you can do to join us. Go to wallbuilders.com today. That's where you can make the one-time or monthly contribution that allows us to be on the air, to do pastor's training, student training, teacher training, uh, all of our constitution coach training, everything that we're doing to influence the culture. Uh, we're, a, you know, we're a nonprofit. We're, we're, you know, we're funded by your help. So fuel in the tank makes a big difference. And I'm pretty blunt about it. You know, and I, I'm Rick Green, America's constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. And listen, I don't have any problem telling you we do good things with the investment that you make at Wall Builders. And, and it takes fuel in the tank. You, you have to give up your life, your fortune, and your sacred honor. If you want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you got to give up those things uh, to make sure that it's preserved for future generations. So I don't mind asking you, make that contribution today, come alongside us, and help us to influence the culture in a positive way. As I said, I'm Rick Green. I'm here with David and Tim Barton. David's America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. Tim Barton's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. All right, David and Tim, we've got Jeremy Dice uh, with us uh, a little bit later. We're going to be talking about a case out of Dallas, Texas, so our home state, and uh, right there in Dallas in, uh, in the Addison area, uh, dealing with a church, and uh, and it actually is about you know property rights as well, but also the religious liberty of this church to be able to build in a neighborhood that apparently doesn't want them. Yeah, it's a strange situation because it's a really historic church. It goes back to the days of slavery in Texas. And slavery's ended at the end of the Civil War. And uh, man, should we get into the thing? We now have a national holiday based on a Texas holiday that is so historically inaccurate. I mean, Biden makes Juneteenth into the national holiday to celebrate the end of slavery. The 13th Amendment ended slavery. Juneteenth is simply slaves in Texas finding out they had been freed from the time of the Emancipation Proclamation. It's a terrible piece of history. Uh, and more specifically, Juneteenth is when the slaves in Texas found out that a Republican president yes, right. had done the Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation and the Republicans in Congress had supported this and they were stopping the evil Democrats from continuing their pro-slavery ways. Uh, I feel like those details were left yeah. out as as well. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, think Biden mentioned those. But I, I but also, know. right, you, know, you, happens, guys, you guys clearly need to be canceled for misinformation uh, because of disagreeing with the narrative and the lies. So by telling truth today... <laughs> Uh, your misinformation. I think that's the way it works, right? If you tell truth that that contradicts the narrative, then it's misinformation. Truth is well. That that is the argument. And in fact, we have some uh, um, some noted individuals who are friends on social media that have been getting strikes for posting things that are factually true, uh, such as uh, and, and having content actually censored and removed, but such as posting uh, the the now known information that there was actually some CIA payments to some of the initial investigators over uh, trying to figure out where the virus came from. And six of the seven individuals were paid to say that the virus did not originate in Wuhan. Like that is, that is known information. Now this is not disputed. Now it's, it's not always liked information, but information that's not liked is different than incorrect information. And so anyway, some of our friends posted it online. They got in trouble for, I mean, just, we, we definitely live in this Orwellian world where people want to control information. Dad backing up to June 19th or Juneteenth, as it's known, that it was June nineteenth, eighteen sixty five. Uh, the Emancipation Proclamation had been out for a year and a half already. It, it came out in the beginning of eighteen sixty three, and so slaves had been being freed under this for a year and a half. But the Emancipation Proclamation only applied to the Confederate states that were actively in rebellion against the Union because those were the ones that 
Lincoln was able to enforce executive authority over. There were other states that were part of the Union that weren't in the rebellion that had slaves at the time, which is why you still had to have the 13th Amendment to end all slavery in America. And that happened in December of 1865. And I guess we could even make a further argument that that technically didn't end all of slavery in America because there were still several uh, native tribes that were living on reservations at the time that the U.S. government went to them because they were sovereign nations. And the U.S. government went to them and said, hey, guys, we're really trying to get rid of the slavery thing in America. And we ended up paying these native tribes. Essentially, the U.S. government, in essence, bought these slaves and freed these slaves. They paid the native tribes to get the slaves back. All that to say is when the modern narrative is Juneteenth, this is when we celebrate the ending of slavery in America. It is so historically inaccurate to say that. It is pretty laughable how how much history you have gotten wrong to come to that conclusion. However, this is what the Biden administration has promoted. Uh, it is kind of what the modern narrative is. Uh, and and certainly uh, it, it is one of the things that wall builders, we're trying to tell more of the honest story, which in the honest story, there's good, there's bad, there's ugly. Uh, there were heroes, there were villains, right? It's, it, it, there's a lot of things involved in this, but we would say, let's just tell the truth and kind of let the chips fall where they may, as opposed to uh, changing history to promote a narrative, which unfortunately definitely seems to be happening these days. So at the end of the Civil War, what happens is uh, some of these former slaves, these, these they're now no longer enslaved. They have a church that is built. And this is a historic black church that goes back to the end of the Civil War. And it's been in a neighborhood over in a, it's kind of like a suburb of the Dallas area, but it's kind of in some ways an elite community as well. And the folks in that community said, no, 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 we, we, we don't want church here and we don't want it in our neighborhood and we want you to get it out of here. And so they, they've literally come in and said, we don't care that you own the property. You, you get out of here because we just don't want you as neighbors and we don't want a church as neighbors. So they're so hostile to property rights, Rick, as you said, as well as religious liberty rights. And guess who gets involved? Of course, First Liberty. Our friends over at First Liberty, this is the kind of case they love getting. And so Jeremy dies with, with First Liberty. will be able to tell us where they are on this and what's going. And there's some really good background information in this case you're going to love hearing. Jeremy Dice, our special guest. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wall Builders. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. America is a special and unique nation. The average length for a constitution in other countries is only 17 years, but we've had ours for over two centuries. And our 4% of the world's population produces 24% of the world's gross domestic product. And every year we produce more inventions and technology than the other 96% of the world combined. In 1831, Alexis de Tocqueville of France came to America, traveled the country, and in his famous book, Democracy in America, reported, the position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional. And it may be believed that no democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one. This is the origin of the phrase American exceptionalism and affirms that America is unique because of the distinctive ideas on which we have been based, including inalienable rights, individualism, limited government, and the importance of religion and morality. For more information about American exceptionalism, go to wallbuilders.com. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. 
Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Thanks for staying with us here on Wall Bullers. Jeremy Dice with us from First Liberty Institute. They are on the front lines, folks, doing all kinds of great work, winning all kinds of victories across the nation. Jeremy, great to have you back, man. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. Hey, this one's uh, out of uh, you know my home state of Texas here, so uh, very interesting. White Rock uh, Chapel in Dallas, Texas. Tell us about this case and uh, what you think is going to happen. Yeah, White Rock Chapel started back in 18, uh, I think 84, if I remember correctly. It was a group of freed slaves who started meeting for church services on the banks of the White Rock River in Addison, Texas, or what is now Addison, Texas. And uh, what's remarkable about this is that they worked for a number of years to buy that property from their former slave owner, which is pretty rare for the time. Well, that uh, that property began to be a problem when the, the river would overflow the banks, and that, that became an issue. So in the early 1900s, that same former slave owner donated higher ground to that church so they could build a property up there and uh, meet for their services. And then he began to meet with them as well, which is just a remarkable story of reconciliation, if you, if you ask me. Well, that church met with more and more problems. The local community wanted to get rid of it years ago. And there were all kinds of shenanigans that tried to take place for that not to meet there anymore. Uh, the building actually burned down in the 1960s. I don't think that was an accident that had occurred during the civil rights era. And so fast forward to today, where Don Wesson purchased the property out of receivership to preserve the historic spiritual legacy, as well as the, the, that story of reconciliation that carries with it to this day. But now that area is surrounded by these rather enormous mansions around the property, and the local homeowners really don't want a church in their front yard. And so they, uh, they, they caused a bit of a fuss with uh, the property owners, Dr. Weston and his wife, uh, and they tried to do everything they could, the Westons did, to, to meet with the neighbors, to, to uh, concede this, that, and the other thing multiple times. They had seven different meetings with the local neighbors there and uh, conceded after more concessions, and then there would still be more demands. Fast forward to the end, the Addison City Council voted, and by one vote, the, the Westons lost their special use permit to have a church in that neighborhood. It's just a tragic affair that that has occurred and uh, that they've had to now resort to a letter from us at First Liberty Institute to the city of Addison saying, you have really jeopardized religious liberty of our clients, and we need you to reconsider that special use permit. I'm hopeful that when the, the Westons reapply, that that special use permit will be granted and that this historic church will continue to meet in the in the spot that it began meeting back in the early 1900s with a bunch of freed slaves and their former slave owner in worship. Jeremy, a couple things here, man. First of all, just just plain old property rights. You know, why why are they being uh, prevented from being able to do with their property as they wish? They're not harming the neighbors. I mean, is there some claim that it's going to be an eyesore to have a church? Uh, you know, obviously they're probably going to throw out traffic or whatever, but. I mean, this is, uh, he's not asking the city to, to, to do the building for him. He's not asking the city to give him the, I mean, the property owner should be able to do, uh, so, so both on a property rights front and a religious liberty front, I, I, I'm, I just, I, I'm wondering what their objection is. 
Well, I, I think it really boils down to NIMBY, not in my backyard. Yeah. And, and the neighbors simply don't want to have a church in their very tawny area. Look, it, it would surprise you perhaps to learn that this is the only house of worship in the city of Addison. And so if it goes away, the city of Addison doesn't have another church at all inside wow. of its city limits. And so it's kind of unique that that this would be the case. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, the law, uh, Texas RIFRA, the, the United States uh, Religious Freedom, Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act, they both present a pretty high bar for, for the city of Addison to get over. They have to present to us a compelling justification for why they have substantially burdened our clients' uh, use of their land for religious purposes. And in addition to that compelling justification, they also have to show that their actions were the least restrictive means possible of imposing upon that religious exercise. They're not going to be able to do that. And so I think they're going to be left with no option but to approve this special use permit and allow that congregation to continue meeting there in the spirit of reconciliation as they have been for a hundred plus years. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, while I got you, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, churches and, and is there any, any, um, I, I just remember there being a case out of actually outside of West Austin, there was a, a church there trying to get a parking lot done and the city of Austin, they fought them for years and years. And, you know, and I, I was thinking, and maybe, you know, off the top of your head that, that Riffer does protect uh, and give additional protections to churches to be able to add to buildings or add buildings or, you know, parking lots or whatever and not be, you know, killed by uh, the permitting process that cities often use to just control what people do with their land, in my opinion. And so it's, is that the case? I mean, are, are there additional religious liberty arguments that you're able to make in this case based on what they're actually doing with the land? Yeah, no, look, the, the, the state law and federal law both offer protection, and that sort of varies state by state, but the federal law is across the country, and that law is called the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. And so when cities or counties or whomever uh, impose these restrictions through zoning, uh, we've seen it often where they're just simply trying to keep churches out of areas. Uh, there was a case down in Houston, we represented the church down there, who had revitalized that neighborhood, and the city all of a sudden saw dollar signs for uh, tax money. And so they tried to to, uh, to move that property out. Well, we stepped in and said, you know what, you're not going to be able to do that. The Constitution and the statute here stands in your way. We represent a synagogue up in Long Island, New York right now, where the city has, well, actually they've gone beyond even zoning. They began to just simply try to take the property away from the synagogue through eminent domain. And mm. we said, you're not going to do that either. And so these attacks are, are pretty significant. And we've moved from sort of run-of-the-mill zoning issues, meaning hey, this is a residential neighborhood. We don't want to have a church or a synagogue or a mosque within the, the neighborhood. Uh, so we don't want you here. You're zoned out of it. They've now morphed into more strident claims of cities and towns and villages trying to seize the property of these congregations through eminent domain. That's very worrisome to me, and I think we need to keep a very close eye on that. Now, look, the good news is that at First Liberty, we're winning these cases. And so we, we, uh, we're, we're able to come to the defense of these churches because uh, so many people around the country have invested in the work of First Liberty to make sure that these churches get pro bono, and that means for free, representation anytime they come up against these restrictions. The same can't necessarily be said for for-profit businesses. The, 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 the Constitution does not give the same level of protection for, for those. Sorry, for-profit businesses, we love you, but thank goodness the Constitution goes out of its way to protect uh, both religious liberty and what that means to religious organizations as a whole as well. And of course, you know it very well, Rick. You can learn all about that at firstliberty.org. Man, I'm so thankful for you guys. This is uh, this is a very important battle, and it affects not just this church, but but just the the, the you know 
the, the cultural need for a religious influence in the community, and there's a reason for these extra protections. It's good for everyone in the community. Everybody benefits when there's a strong religious foundation in the community. FirstLiberty.org is the website. FirstLiberty.org, as Jeremy said, they're able to do this pro bono for people in need, churches in need, whenever there's a religious liberty fight. Uh, to be fought, they're there and winning great victories. Uh, you name it, man. Whether it's Coach Kennedy, go, all the all the things that you guys have been doing, uh, and it happens because of individuals all across the country giving. And so, folks, hit the website today. Make a donation as best you can. Maybe it's uh, even monthly. Get uh, become become a good supporter of First Liberty. We love these guys. Jeremy, God bless you, man. Tell Kelly and the whole team thanks for all you're doing. Will do. Thanks, Rick. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. We're back here on Wild Butters. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Jeremy Dice and all the folks over at First Liberty. Great, great work that they do for us in securing our not only freedom of religion, but many of our other freedoms as well. Back with David and Tim. Uh, guys, really interesting case here. So, I, I mean, um, you know, look, we, we love the we love teaching the black history stuff here at Wild Butters. You guys have amazing things in the, in the library, just like we were saying at the top of the hour, that actually uh, tells the truth about these things instead of the lies that we typically hear from the left. Uh, but this case, man, I mean, what I, I, I'm always got, I've always got a problem with telling people what they can do with their property. But what you do with your property, plus telling you you can't have a church, now you got a double problem here. Well, I mean, this is just so interesting to me from a constitutional standpoint. Can you imagine any founding father who would say, let's get a church out of the community? And, and that would include people like Ethan Allen or Henry Dearborn or Charles Lee, who are probably the most religion hostile founding fathers, or even Thomas Paine. I don't even think Thomas Paine would have said, get the church out of the community. I mean, I I cannot imagine anyone in that constitutional era that would have thought this was a good idea. And and now somehow it's a great idea today because who cares what they they believed back then. And then you take, this was shocking to me when Jeremy said this, Addison, Texas. So I looked it up real quick while he was talking. Addison has a population of 17,698. And there's not a single church in the town of Addison with nearly 20,000? Look, out by the ranch, there's a community of less than 50, and they got a church in that community. I mean, right. It's that way everywhere, basically. you got churches all over. Most Texas towns, even if you only have 200 people, there's usually like four churches exactly. on, on, uh, downtown. And exactly. usually it's First Baptist, Second Baptist, Third Baptist. Fourth. No, I'm kidding. It's like, it's usually a Catholic church right there and a First Baptist and a you know a Church of Christ. And usually you've got at least three or four. Yeah, so I, now here's where my fun starts with you guys. Okay, Jeremy said this is based on RIFRA, and RIFRA is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It was passed in 1993, and it was passed because back in 1980, 
the Supreme Court in a case called Employment Division versus Smith said, hey, we think there are some religious practices that we just don't want to happen. So we're going to we're going to regulate religious practice. So the U.S. Supreme Court, instead of defending religious liberty, came out with that decision. And, and Congress and everybody else said, whoa, 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 you, you can't you can't regulate religious liberty. So they came in with what's called RIFRA, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was to restore First Amendment freedoms. So that has been an invaluable tool since 93. Um, it was used very heavily during the Obama administration when they went anti-religious again. It's been used very heavily during the Biden administration as they went anti-religious. So it's been a huge tool. Now, here's my first question for you guys. This 1993 law passed by Congress, so fundamental keeping our religious liberty day. Who were the chief sponsors of that law? <laughs> and I was hoping you'd ask this. This is so easy. Rick, why don't you tell them? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, Tim's trying to say that I'm old, like, you know, he's thinking I would know, uh, but I was actually just getting, you know, just in college, but no, I was in law school at the time. I should know the answer to this. I'm going to guess because you're asking that it turns out it was probably Democrats, even though we would think it'd be Republicans. Well, I want you to tell me the name of the chief house sponsor and the chief Senate sponsor. Well, I want to point out this was under 93. <laughs> uh, I was... I, <laughs> <laughs> not only was I like 11 years old, uh, I, my father did not teach me this. So, oh, 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 oh wow. Th- so you I'm were gonna, right. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this... <laughs> All right, Rick. You're old okay. enough to remember. Come on, bro. 93. Okay, so, so I do remember that Gingrich and the Republicans didn't have the majority for the first time in 40 years until 1994. So, chief house sponsor was probably a Democrat, um, and probably in the Senate. Oh man, I have no idea. Yeah, okay, no clue. There you go. Chief house sponsor was U.S. Representative Chuck Schumer. No, wow, come on, wow. Chief Senate sponsor was U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy. Wow. So Democrats that today are far left. 20, what is that? That's 30 years ago. 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Actually were for protecting religious liberty. So let's go a step further. The vote in the House was unanimous. The vote in the Senate, it was 97 to 3. Wow. Every Republican, every Democrat was unified on religious protection, religious freedom, religious expression. Now, what happened was after 1993, um, still the anti-religious people found ways to chip holes in this. And so in 2000, they passed, and this is the second law that Jeremy mentioned, it's called RILUPA, and that's the Religious Land Use Institutionalized Persons Act, so RILUPA. So they come out in 2000 to bolster the the holes that have been poked in the 1993 law, to bolster all the holes they poked in the U.S. Constitution. And so this says, all right, if you're a prisoner, you get religious expression, even if you're a prisoner, because they're saying, oh, you can't let Bibles in prison because prisoners shouldn't have that. And then they were also using zoning and said, well, say, hey, in the city, we've zoned it, and we've just decided there shouldn't be any churches in this area or any synagogues or whatever. So this was put in to stop that. Now, here's the next question for f- who were the chief sponsors on, on that measure? To stop the loopholes in 1993 to further secure religious liberty in 2000. And what year was this? 2000. 2000. 2000. Al Gore. Okay. <laughs> That's all I, as soon as you said 2000, I just thought Al Gore. He was in the Senate at the time. Well, uh, Joe Biden and, and Nancy for, Pelosi. Oh, no, no, he wasn't in the Senate. He was oh. vice president and running for president. So, yeah, he wasn't yeah. in the Senate anymore. So, let's he see. He wasn't in the Senate. Yeah, who'd you say? Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, yeah. Okay. They, they, both, they were, both were there at that time. Yeah. 
So mm. sponsors of the act were Ted Kennedy, Charles Schumer, Joe Lieberman, Tom Daschle. Uh, I mean, these are all leading wow. liberal Democrats. So and not only is- have has the nation lost its mind and gone leftist, these the same people, like the very people that are today leading the leftist charge, yes. used to be pro-religious yes. liberty. Schumer is a great example over in the Senate. What he fights over in the Senate, anything wow. religious. And, and by the way, both of these laws were signed into law by Bill Clinton. So Bill Clinton was the president. These were Democrat measures fighting to defend religious liberty. And I, I, I don't know what happened in the 21st century, but even my memory was gone on this. I have no recollection that Democrats have ever fought for religious liberty. And here in 1993 and 2000, they are the chief fighters of two of the best laws we have federally today that reinforce the First Amendment to make sure the government can't take away our free exercise of religion. I mean, this this is this is amazing stuff. So we'll see what happens with that lawsuit over in Dallas. Uh, I think they'll win this hands down because of all the laws they've got. So if if the city doesn't go the right way, uh, I think they still get this. But this is I'll just tell you this program for me today was a real reeducation uh, of a religious liberty history over the last twenty five years. It just shocked me what I what I found. No kidding, man. What a, what, what a wake up. It reminds me, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, so both parties used to defend religious yes. liberty. It's kind of like the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist. It's like the differences between them. It's not a, that either were pro-federal government being big. They, 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 they both wanted a limited government. They just disagreed on sometimes where those limitations would be. And then same here. It's like you used to have a two-party system where both parties were healthy in terms of you know national sovereignty and and strong defense and and religious liberty and all those things, it's amazing to me that we now have a party that the, the Democrats have become anti all of those things uh, that they literally would be arguing with themselves if we put them on camera the things they said back then to what they even themselves say today. Yeah, if we went back, if we had C-SPAN back then, could find the clips of Daschle and Kennedy and, and and Schumer and all these guys arguing for this bill that they're introducing. It would be so revealing to compare to where they are today. Well, great guest today. Great topic for us to all be studying. Let's all get you know get deeper into the Constitution and to this history. It's so important at this point because people don't know what those basic principles are. That's why you need to listen to Wall Builders. Thanks so much for listening today. You've been listening to Wall Builders. We stand undivided forever. Again.